0: Welcome into 49ers Access, my name is Sterling Bennett and today we're going to preview the San Francisco 49ers Super Wild Card Weekend matchup against the Seattle Seahawks. San Francisco comes in 13-4, 10 straight victories, the number two seed and your 2022-2023 NFC West champions. After a long, grueling 18-week season full of injuries, full of ups and downs, full of a 10-game winning streak post-Christian McCaffrey trade when they were 3-4 against the Kansas City Chiefs, 10 games in a row they won, we are finally here in the NFL playoffs, super wild Card weekend, Niners against the hated, and I mean hated, Seattle Seahawks. And when I mean hate, I mean... As a young Niner fan, I have seen my team lose two Super Bowls, right? But I've also seen my team in what seemed like the midst of a potential dynasty. Get that ripped out of my hands, out of my heart, because of stupid Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom. I love you, Richard Sherman. But at that point in my time or in my life in 2013-2014, I absolutely hated you, and I think you would agree that I had every single right to hate you. I hated the stupid 12th man. I hated the stupid Skittles. I hated everything, and I still hate everything that has to do with the Seattle Seahawks. I am tired of Pete Carroll. I am over This rivalry, because you just know something dumb, something stupid's gonna happen. A bounce may go their way. It'll be a fumble. Something Travis Homer on a punt or 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 a fake punt. Something dumb will happen. It's always happened this way. After seeing everything that's transpired over the last decade plus against the Seahawks, I am so tired of seeing this stupid team up in Seattle, Washington. I'm. I hate them. (laughs) I hate them so much. But I will say this. This is an opportunity to right the wrong of the 2013-2014 NFC Championship game. This is an opportunity to pluck every single little feather off those damn Seattle Seahawks wings and smack them in the mouth so hard that Peter Carroll's dentures fall out of his mouth. And he swallows that piece of gum he's been chewing since 2005 at USC. I am so over the Seattle Seahawks. I hate the fact we have to play them three times this year. I was hoping it was going to be Niners against the Lions. I was hoping we could move past every team in the NFC West. But no. But no. Here we are. The same team who we beat to clinch. The NFC West this year had to jump over them in the standings, then went to Seattle at Lumen Field and beat them to clinch the NFC West on a Thursday night on Amazon Prime. That's we have to play again. That same team. So let's dive into this game itself and why I believe the Niners are going to not only win on Saturday against the Seahawks, but why I do think that This could be the year. And every team believes that. Every team should believe that. Unless you're the Chargers, the Giants, the Vikings, the Seahawks, maybe even the Ravens, maybe even the Bengals. I don't know. Just seems like there's only one or two, maybe three teams tops that have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. And I do think San Francisco is one of the teams, maybe out of a top four, that truly has the chance to bring home The Lombardi this year, that starts this Saturday as San Francisco kicks off, yes, kicks off the entirety of the NFL playoffs this Saturday against the Seattle Seahawks. The Red End Zones are back, folks. Niners are hosting playoff games again at Levi Stadium. So let's jump into Saturday's game right now after four and a half minutes of the podcast. Let's jump right into this Saturday's game on or against the Seattle Seahawks. And how do you start this? Well, I think you have to look at this season itself. This year they played each other twice, right? In week 2, San Francisco won 27 to 7. In week 15, a little closer, 21 to 13. But if you add those numbers up, San Francisco outscored Seattle 48 to 20 this season. And one of Seattle's offensive touchdowns came on a special teams blocked kick. So, take out one of the sevens, San Francisco offensively has outscored Seattle's offense 48 to 13. I mean, <laughs> it's not, like Seattle has lacked offensive firepower against San Francisco's defense all year. Like and and let's be clear here, every time we've played Seattle, every time whether it's week two, week 15, I've always said Pete Carroll is going to have his team prepared. Now, this week he's like, you know, it's a great team, you know, they're a heck of a team, you know, like we're oh, playing in San Francisco, they're on a hot streak. He's doing what he's supposed to do. Like Seattle's coming in with the mentality of, we are the underdog, let's stir some stuff up. Let's create havoc. Like Dan Campbell last week with the Lions said, even if we are in the playoffs or have a chance at the playoffs, against the Packers he said even if we don't though we are going to play spoiler that is the mentality Seattle has they got in last week because the Lions albeit beat the Packers and they happen to beat uh the Rams right but (laughs) Pete Carroll is gonna have his team prepared as he always he like he's a great coach I don't like him I'm tired of him But I sure as heck respect them. And I do believe every Niner fan comes from that perspective. You can hate Pete Carroll all you want. He is going to have that team ready to go. He is going to pull out every single stop, every single play, every single wrinkle, every single card is going to be pulled from under his sleeve. That's the kind of head coach he is. And with an underdog mentality, some may say they're dangerous. I don't necessarily believe, quote-unquote, dangerous, but I do think that with a coach like Pete Carroll, where he's going to have that defense ready to play, where the offense, although has lacked offensive firepower, I do think it's going to be, hey, defense, keep us in the game, and hopefully we can string a drive or two together and hold off San Francisco's offense. Now, that's a lot easier said than done, but to me, it's not like, like, had this game happened when San Francisco was three and four and Seattle was six and three, I would have said, okay, like I might be a little nervous here, albeit the personnel for San Francisco is so much better. At that point, I might have said, okay, I'm a little worried, but San Francisco starts out three and four, and they finish 13 and four. They win 10 straight games. Seattle starts out six and three, and they finish nine and eight. And they've won three of their last eight games. And the quarterbacks they've beaten, John Wolford, Mike White, Baker Mayfield. It's not like Seattle's coming in, you know, playing good football. They are playing bad football and they've happened to beat bad quarterbacks in return. I could argue that Seattle really has no business being in the playoffs because of the hot start they had. They've been playing like under 500 football for the past two months they have not been good three wins in the past two months for seattle and they lost games they needed to win against san francisco right like this niners team has recently as if four weeks ago beat this exact same seattle seahawks team and i could argue that a score of 21 to 13 should have been 10 times worse like, yes, there was injuries, Purdy had the oblique, and at a certain point in this game, San Francisco took four knees or three knees and said game's over with, right? At the one-yard line, right? And so people are all up in arms of, you know, oh, but it's Seattle, it's Seattle. But this is not the same Seattle team. And one of the things, including myself, when we were talking about who I wanted San Francisco to play was I don't want to play Seattle three times. We saw what happened last year against the Rams, right? You beat them twice in the regular season, going to the playoffs, you have not beat, and you blow it, right? That's what I don't want to happen. You're giving a team three free shots, or essentially three shots to beat you, one of them being free. like That last one is a free shot, win go home. We have nothing to lose, and a team like Seattle, with Pete Carroll at the helm, with nothing to lose might scare somebody. But to me, I look at this, and while I do understand the perspective 100%, I get it, that was where I was two, three weeks ago. That's where I was. But it's but San Francisco has gotten healthier. Kevin Givens is back. Debo Samuel and Elijah Mitchell did not play in the game against Seattle Week 15. Both of them are back. They're healthy. They're ready to go. And if you think an offense that has George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Elijah Mitchell, Brandon Ayuk, over 1,000 yards this year, and Brock Purdy riding high haven't lost the game at all in his entire career thus far. You think that offense is only going to put up 21 points against a bad Seattle defense? I mean, the answer is no. But going back to why playing a team three times in a row or three times in a season has fans a little squirmish, 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 whatever the word is, I think this is different than last year. Well, yes, I can point to every single aspect of why I do think Seattle might be dangerous, right? Kenneth Walker, good running back. Geno Smith, having a career year. He's a pro bowler. Probably shouldn't have been, but he's there now, right? Well, okay, they have an okay defense, but they're not great against the pass. They have DK Metcalf, they have Lockett. I can point to aspects of of Seattle that might point towards them having some minimal edge or some way to find a lane for victory. But what if I turned that on its head and said, look, third time might be the charm for Seattle. It might be, right? I don't think it will be, but but it might be. But what if it's the best thing for Brock Purdy? Brock Purdy is going to be at home, not having to travel, they didn't have to go from Washington to San Francisco or or, or SF to Washington or, or to Minnesota or to New York or to Philadelphia. They're back at home where they were last week. They're healthier. And Brock Purdy, he's already seen this defense. He's already played Seattle. He knows how to beat Seattle. He feels comfortable playing against that defense and he's going to have the full use of his oblique, his ribs. Like When when they played last, he did not have the entirety or, or the entire playbook at his disposal. There were certain throws he could not make. Thus, he was not making them. Thus, he was not attempting them. Thus, Kyle Shanahan was not drawing up those plays for him. So I do understand why some people might be nervous of, ah, no, Seattle three times. I could argue that, well, it's Brock Purdy against Seattle for a second time. People wondered, including myself, what the NFL was going to do once they got tape on Brock Purdy. Flip it. What is Brock Purdy going to do now that he's playing an opponent for the second time? And I ask you, while Seattle's defense—it's Seattle—they have the mojo, they have the voodoo, whatever they have—they don't have Kyle Shanahan, they don't have George Kittle, they don't have Debo Samuel, Mitchell Ayuk—they don't have what Brock Purdy has in his corner. Like, like it's like Rocky, right? Rocky had Apollo Creed in his corner post Rocky One. Seattle doesn't have that. Seattle is not, you know, freaking Dolph Lundgren, you know. I'm going to break you. That's not Seattle. Seattle's like, we we might have a chance to break you. I don't know. Right? Like, they don't have a fighting chance against an offense like San Francisco. They're going to have to pull out the tricks to beat San Francisco. They're going to have to have a special teams play to beat San Francisco. They're going to have to have a perfect game to beat San Francisco. While SF may just say, we can beat you with throwing a pick with a fumble. Now, play clean. By all means, play clean. Do not give Seattle a lane of hope. You give them hope, they will take it, right? But I do think San Francisco can't afford to make a mistake and and fight back. Where Seattle is going to have to be perfect to win this game because San Francisco is too freaking good to lose a game like this. And Speaking with Brock Purdy, some of the questions around him have been, you know, he doesn't have the playoff experience. Well, guess what? Neither does Geno Smith, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Skylar Thompson, Daniel Jones, and whoever is playing quarterback for the Ravens. And all of those people do not have, again, Kyle Shanahan at the helm calling their plays. They don't have Christian McCaffrey. The greatest mid-season acquisition of all time. I have been saying that for a month. That he might be the greatest trade ever in the middle of the season. That has come true. He passed Eric Dickerson for the most scrimmage yards of any mid-season acquisition of all time. Of all time. And then George Kittle, and Ayuk, and Debo, and Mitchell. There's. It's almost like... San Francisco has so many ways to beat you. On the ground, through the air, in the slot, now with the deep ball over the middle, on the outside with the screen. And now, for one of the first times all year, and I can say the most important time all year, they have every single aspect of the offense at their disposal. You can do the screen to Debo. In between the tackles with Mitchell, outside zone for McCaffrey, over the middle with Kittle, post routes with Ayuk. You can do so much. Sweeps with McLeod. Like, anything is open for this offense. And so the playoff experience knock on Purdy applies to five other quarterbacks that no one else was talking about. No one's talking about, well, Herbert's never played in the playoffs. And I get it's Herbert, but he hasn't played in the playoffs. could suck some guys are great in the regular season and suck in the postseason and I will say to this that Brock Purdy was asked hey what was a bigger or or what had more pressure on you starting at 18 at Iowa State or playing your first NFL game you know what he said starting at 18 at Iowa State the NFL to him while there was a transition process was not as big of a jump he was not you know, overwhelmed playing in the NFL and the pieces around him help that and if you don't think that's not going to help him come playoff time i mean my goodness like <laughs> i'm not saying brock purdy is jesus christ himself i'm just saying that brock purdy the knocks on brock purdy i think have holes in them now The other one people were talking about is potential turnovers. Brock Brock Purdy's done plenty of picks so far. I think he has four or five this year. Some may say that's a bad thing. I can argue that context may show otherwise, and there's been plenty of throws that he's made that didn't drop picks, right? Like, they played Seattle at Week 15. Quandre Diggs drops the the near-pick six, right? Big play, as my chair squeaks. But a big play, (laughs) right? Like, that was a, oh my goodness, Brock Purdy, what are you doing? Now, is that a bad read? Is it a injured oblique? We don't know. I would assume it's the first part, but we have no idea what it is. But I can tell you this, that the beautiful thing of the Niners of the past three or four years, since 2019, is that when their quarterbacks throw picks, they either bounce back offensively, or the defense, like this year, plays rock solid and, and does not allow the opposing offense to score. So again, another knock on Brock Purdy or, or, or warrior or question mark around Brock Purdy, it might not be true. This year, San Francisco's defense leads the NFL in giveaway points allowed 23. They've allowed 23 points all season of, after a turnover. 23 points all season long. So you're telling me that if Brock Purdy throws a pick the likelihood the opposing team scores is basically zero. That's how good, or that's how much confidence I have in this team, where even if Brock Purdy throws a pick, I go, okay, that sucks. Don't do that, obviously. But if you do, we have the number one defense to stop them. Like, nothing, unless Purdy throws five, six picks, I'm like, a, Ooh, that's bad. But I could argue that even if Brock Purdy throws five or six picks, (laughs) which I hope the guy doesn't do, the defense may not give up any points. They may hold Seattle scoreless still, right? And so I'm not worried. And and, and to further prove my point of Brock Purdy, the moment's not going to be too big for him. He has the pieces around him to support him in this. But the offense San Francisco has. This year, they have scored in eight games, 30-plus points, tied for the fourth most in Niners history since at least 1970. The offense has also scored 37-plus points in three straight games. That's the longest streak by any team since at least 1970, we talk about how good San Francisco's defense has been, how good they've been defensively this year. I could argue, at least recently, their offense has been historically great as well, at least when it comes to scoring. And I think, look, the conversation's been Brock Purdy this, Brock Purdy that. I get it 100%. Every reason to believe that. Every reason to say Purdy's been great, Mr. Relevant, number 13, all that stuff is a wonderful talking point. But as a whole, San Francisco's offense wasn't even doing this in 2019. And they went to the Super Bowl and, and had a 10 point lead. <laughs> like, like, put it in perspective, San Francisco's offense is better this year than it's ever been under Kyle Shanahan. They have more weapons than they've ever had under Kyle Shanahan, and they've done a lot less, or they've done a lot more with less. They've gone farther with less. They beat better defenses with less. And you're saying against Seattle, they might have trouble. Now, division opponent, I get it. But enter George Kittle. Since Brock Purdy took over as quarterback, George Kittle leads all offensive players, running backs, receivers, tight ends, in receiving touchdowns, seven, seven, including three, two touchdown performances, one of them against Seattle. He has a 89.6 PFF receiving grade and a 88.6 PFF offensive grade. George Kittle, in the past, what, five, six weeks, The best tight end in football. The best tight end in football. Football. I'm not talking over like a two-game span. I'm talking like six weeks, folks. San Francisco's offense has hit its stride. Their defense, albeit as struggled in certain points, overall is still the number one defense in football. And they got back on track... Last week, they had one bad play. One bad play. Where I said, really? Really, Lenore? Really, Gibson? It was the second play of the game. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, it's early, it's fine, but is this going to be a sign of what's to come? And it wasn't. San Francisco locked things down. Now, some fans, and I will say this, and I will say this, that... If you don't think D.K. Metcalf or Tyler Lockett are going to be lined up against Lenore, like that might be the Achilles heel there. San Francisco's defense, at times, does have a tendency to give up the big play. It isn't often, but it happens. And I could easily see Seattle, with having to go guns out in this game, right, like, your balls have to be to the wall to win this game if, if you are Seattle. I could easily see them saying, You see that guy, Lenore? He's undersized. You know what we do? Metcalf, go on him. Like, that makes sense to me. But even the last time they played, I thought that was going to be the scheme. And it wasn't. Mooney Ward this year against Metcalf. Seven targets, five catches, 38 total yards, two pass breakups. What I thought would be Seattle's way to win in week fifteen, was the way they lost because they didn't use Metcalf against Lenore. It was hilarious to me. It was like like. I have so much respect for Pete Carroll. So much respect. Don't like him, but I, I he, he won a freaking Super Bowl. He beat us in the playoffs against one of the best defenses of all time. That we should have won that game, but whatever. <laughs> but this year they have no answers for what San Francisco does. And that's just defensively. Like, offensively, they have had no chance at slowing down the Niners' offense. They give up almost eight yards per catch to tight ends. Hello, George Kittle. And to running backs. Hello, Christian McCaffrey. San Francisco this year is 10-0. and 0. Undefeated with games or in games, Christian McCaffrey has started. We know this, you know this. He's been the most important trade in the past three years, and I can argue for a decade in the NFL midseason wise. In those 10 games, they have won 10 of them, right? He has 708 rushing yards, 440 receiving yards, and and a touchdown per game, ten touchdowns. So you're telling me that McCaffrey's almost guaranteed to have over a hundred yards combined in one touchdown, and you think San Francisco is not going to win this game against a defense that gives up eight yards of reception to running backs and tight ends, and two of the hottest players on this offense are George Kittle, a tight end, and Chris McCaffrey. Or running back. My goodness. And I haven't even mentioned Debo Samuel yet. Or Brandon Ayuk yet. Or Elijah Mitchell yet. I mean, I don't even have to mention, and again, all due respect, I don't have to mention any Seattle defender. I can just tell you how bad they are as a unit. They can be exploited in almost Every single aspect of the game. And they're playing an offense that has arguably the most firepower in the NFL. Best running back tandem. One of the, if not the best receiving tight end, especially late this year. A quarterback who's undefeated. Ayuk has over a thousand yards and a healthy Debo Samuel a year removed from an all pro season. I mean, come on. Come on. Again, all due respect, Seattle, I I just don't know how some may even pick. And look, let's be clear here. There's a reason San Francisco is nine and a half point favorites. There's a reason why confidence is at all time high. But there's also a reason why some fans are like, it's Seattle. I'm scared. I don't know. And all of that makes perfect sense to me. I don't blame you if you feel that way. But I will say this. We've talked about Kittle and McCaffrey and why I'm not worried about Brock Purdy, why his question marks, the concerns around him might be kind of moot points, right? Debo Samuel in this game, he's the X factor. He eats Seattle alive. And you're telling me that Debo Samuel this year Debo Samuel this year, he is the receiver with the most receiving yards after contact, 294, nearly 300 yards post-contact. Can you tell me who the defense is that gives up the second most yak this year? I'll give you three seconds. One, two, three. that's right, it's the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> So, I mean, everything leans, like, this. pick San Francisco, folks. Like, this game may not be a blowout. I do think there's going to be trickery. Like, something insane is going to happen, whether it's a fake punt or a fake field goal. Seattle's going to do something that makes every fan go, Are you kidding me? Are you serious? You're going to want to break your TV and punch your television and all this stuff. You're going to throw your hat on the ground and spill your drink and go, you mother ever, I'll Carol! You're going to do all that stuff. I get it, right? But again, Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo are playing a defense that gives up or that their weakness is exactly what San Francisco or that certain player's strength might be. And again, I haven't mentioned Mitchell or Ayuk just yet. And actually... I'm not gonna, because I can almost, in my brain, imagine this game. Kyle Shanahan, and Nick Bosa said it best, you do not want to give Seattle hope. Kyle Shanahan is going to come out guns blazing. These 30 scripted plays, amazing, right? And he is going to want to layeth the smacketh down on the Seattle Seahawks. He's going to want to step on their throat early, just like he did the Cardinals in Mexico City and last week. You score early, you score often, you make your opponent have to beat the number one defense in football. Give it to CMC 25 times, let him get 25 touches, get Kittle 5, 6 catches, get him a touchdown, get Debo Three, four touches early in this game. Let him set the tone physically, right? Then, when you're ahead by 20, ahead by 14, what do you do? Eight minutes left, fourth quarter, you're up by 14 points, right? What do you do? Hey, Legend Mitchell, chew the clock out for me. That is what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. In one of the two games that he's had the full offense at his disposal, That was the game plan. Mexico City, eight weeks ago, right? CMC early, get a lead early. Hey, Elijah Mitchell, be my bell cow. Get us the win, milk the clock. That is exactly what I expect on Saturday against Seattle. And again, should I mention the defense now? Should I mention that? Look, how do you win in the NFL? Like, if I ask you, what is is the one area whether you're a coach, a player, a fan, what is the one area that you would tell someone if you're going to win in the NFL, you must control? You must dominate to win the game. I would like to think 90% would say the line of scrimmage. Well, it ain't been pretty for Seattle up front. In the two games they've played this year, Week two, week 15, Seattle has 11 pressures, just over five per game, right? San Francisco has 45 pressures in two games. That's <laughs> it's over 20 pressures a game. Geno Smith will have no time to throw. Gino smith like it was funny in week 15 i thought okay how do you help Gino out screen passes quick slants over the middle albeit that is a strength of this Niners defense you are going to want to get the ball out early but they just kept taking deep shot after deep shot it's like what like, like like the game plan seattle had i don't know where they thought that was going to work out because that did not favor them that leaned into what san francisco wants you to do and if you're, if you're Geno Smith, you're sitting here like, can someone help me? Help me, right? Like, I need someone to help me out here. And over his last five games from Carolina in Week 14, including Week 15 against San Francisco, and his last three games against Kansas City, the Jets, and the Rams, Geno Smith has a comp percentage just over 63. He's thrown eight touchdowns. He's thrown five interceptions, and he's fumbled twice. So he's averaging eight touchdowns and nearly seven turnovers a game. He is going to give this game away. He is going to give San Francisco every opportunity to win this game and put it away. And it's funny because in his two games against San Francisco this year, He's thrown half a touchdown and half a pick. I I mean, (laughs) like, he has not been good against San Francisco all season long. He has one touchdown against San Francisco this year. I could argue San Francisco this year not only owns Seattle, they own Kenneth Walker, and they also own Geno Smith. And I already said it earlier— Mooney Ward owns D.K. Metcalf. And I don't want to go a whole 40 minutes without saying, Ebukam, Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, a healthy Kevin Gibbons, a healthy returning Dre Greenlaw, and Fred Warner, who will chew up the middle, who make big plays constantly. Greenlaw and Warner, like, Seattle is going to have to throw the ball outside. Like, they cannot even look towards the middle of the field. it it is closed, like, there is refurbishing going on, (laughs) like, they're closed permanently. You are not going to be able to throw over the middle, and I think that, like, that is the only reason why I can think their scheme against us five weeks ago or or four four games ago was over-the-top, deep, over-the-top, deep, outside stuff, but even then... San Francisco said, thanks. Great stuff. You're going to make Geno Smith sit in the pocket and have to hope that Ebukam and Armstead and Ken La'O and hopefully the defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, (laughs) doesn't get a sack. 18 and a half sacks this year since 2021. Since 2021. 34 sacks, 40 tackle for losses, and 80 quarterback hits. All of those lead the NFL. Again, folks, I don't need to dive into how good Tariq Woolen is on the outside or how good their interior defensive line is. It's not that good. Or or, or, or Quandre Diggs. And they're not even going to have their best linebacker, Jordan Brooks. Like, Seattle, I get it. Division game, Pete Carroll, there's voodoo, there's juju, whatever you want to call it. They're hurt, too. And I can argue, even if they were healthy, it wouldn't matter. (laughs) Like, I wouldn't care. My points would stay the same. But to hammer my points home, Just an inch further. Just one inch further before we end the show. Seattle this year, their defensive DVOA, which really is the analytical, nerdy approach to how you look at football, right? It works sometimes, doesn't work others, but it is usually correct. Against the rush, against CMC and Mitchell, since week 10... They rank 27th in football, the sixth worst team in the NFL against the run. On third downs, they rank 30th, the third worst team in the NFL. In the red zone, they rank 28th, 28th, fifth worst team in the NFL against tight ends, 27th. Against running backs in the passing game, 30th. And against short passes, which might be or usually is, Kyle Shanahan's bread and butter, less than 15 yards, they rank 28th. So anyone saying, I don't know, man, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, you know, Zoeing Scoob, I'm kind of worried about Pete Carroll, man. Like that stuff, I get it. But there ain't no ghosts here. There ain't no, you know, oh, oh, old man Withers, and it's Pete Carroll. You're unmasking him. Like it, that's not what it is. Geno Smith is not gonna pull his face off, and it's Russell Wilson. He's Geno Smith. In Seattle's defense still sucks, right? There's not gonna be a sewing Scoob. It's like, oh, okay. That's just. There's nobody in a mask. We aren't Scooby-Doo. Like this is not Mystery Incorporated. <laughs> Like, like, it's not going to happen. This is, and should be, an old-fashioned butt-kicking on the behalf of the San Francisco 49ers. And that's what I expect. I think, I do think, there will be a point in time in this game where it might have fans punching the TV. Might have them on Twitter saying, well, I knew this was going to happen! This is the Seahawks. No, I get it. <laughs> it's football. I'll have my jersey on. You can catch me on after the game on 95-7 the game, doing post-game there. But I do think San Francisco wins this game 28-17. to I do think at a certain point, this game is like 21-17. to And San Francisco gets a late touchdown. The defense gets a turnover and they milk the clock. Like this game to me should be a two-score game almost all the way through it. Or at least towards the end of it, right? I do think San Francisco wins 28-17. They win at home, at Levi's, like they should, with the red end zones. And Brock Purdy wins his first NFL playoff game. And I do think, I do think this might be the beginning. And hopefully, eventually, the end for the quest for six. That phrase has been happening for years, since the Ravens Super Bowl. And I hate it because every time it's brought up, we lose, and it's like, God, why? Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? But I do think like this 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 year just feels different. Like, whether it's Purdy or CMC, like like man, like I talked about how Christian McCaffrey earlier this year was was the Terrell Davis to Kyle Shanahan, right? Like like John Elway was in Denver with Mike Shanahan, and they went out and they got Terrell Davis changed the offense, made them better. And I said that I believe Kyle Shanahan did not need his John Elway, like previously thought. He just needed his Terrell Davis. That's Christian McCaffrey. And it was funny, because I was watching the game last week. Catch this. I drove from the Bay Area up to Washington and back down in a weekend. I, me, me and my dad drove 26 hours to Everett, Washington and then drove back (laughs) like that Monday was not fun. It was raining. It was snowing. It was hailing in the middle of this, like what what they call like a bomb cyclone storm. We drove from the Bay Area, Pittsburgh, California to Everett, Washington and back insane. But I was watching the game in the car is my point. And I saw it, and I go, I have to take a picture of the graphic. I was like, this is like going to prove my point wholeheartedly here. Listen to this. Most scrimmage yards per game in 70-plus games played. Keep in mind, CMC is Kyle Shanahan's Terrell Davis. Scrimmage yards per game in 70-plus games played. Terrell Davis, 114. Christian McCaffrey, 114. Drop the mic! D- drop the mic, folks! That's what it is! <laughs> like, that. Like I saw it and I go, oh my god! <laughs> like, that may have been my best take ever. <laughs> I was like, man, like, that stat, well, it doesn't prove much. It just shows that the impact Christian McCaffrey's had on the offense, and I do think Woody's meant for Kyle Shanahan. Best trade thus far they've ever made in their era. Up with Jimmy and Emmanuel Sanders and Hugh and Jordan Willis. CMC reigns above all of them by far. Trent Williams above all of them by far. And I do think, again, they beat Seattle 28-17. It's a heavy CMC day. They can't stop him. They can't stop Kittle. They can't stop CMC. They can't stop Debo Samuel. They can't stop us in the red zone on third downs in the short passing game. They can't stop us at all. Thus, San Francisco wins 28-17. to 17. And they advance to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And guess what? We get to watch kick back on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be good. Who are we going to play? It's going to be awesome. Early game on Saturday. Get to watch back, scout who we're going to play. How did the Giants do? How did the Vikings play? What about them Cowboys and Buccaneers on Monday night? Ooh, it's going to be fun, folks. It's going to be really fun. That being said, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, leave that review. Follow us on social media, Instagram at 49ers.access, Twitter 49ers underscore access. And also, if you want playoff tickets, you might as well use our promo code to get a discount. 49ers access 49 ERS A C C E S S at seatgeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase, whether it's against the Seahawks, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, whoever the heck San Francisco is hopefully and likely gonna play in that next round. If you want to see them play, use that promo code again. 49ers access at seatgeek.com. Save yourself $20 off your first purchase also if you want your gear whether it's the nfc championship hat it's a brock purdy jersey it's a cmc jersey whatever you want to buy san francisco 49ers related if you want to buy your heartbroken seattle seahawk fan friend or or your friend that's a fan (laughs) of the seahawks you want to buy them a niners jersey You can use our fanatics link down in the description save yourself some money as well look we have deals for days here right we are the carolina panthers giving you christian mccaffrey it's a win-win for both teams here you get a discount and we have some fun on our end right great stuff right again enjoy saturday enjoy us beating hopefully dear god please let us beat the seattle seahawks And until next time, my name is Sterling Bennett. This has been the 49er Access Podcast. And stay faithful.